Maddie Fresh on the track up his state. And I'm bringing to you live my boys Alec and Nate, Tequila Ty, Jay Nelly, and Dylan in the building. So kick it back, pour the drink. We chillin' because I'm boozing and bettin' and ballin' like I'm two six in the blue kicks. Watch me move quick. Yeah, it's the blueprint. So who's getting involved? Welcome in to the show. This is Booze Bets and Ball, baby. And welcome back to Booze Bets and Ball, a Penn State football podcast brought to you by Big Banter. Penn State coming off a 41-13 win over Northwestern, a game in which they trailed uh, 10-3 at some point in the first half. Uh, meltdown galore everywhere. Penn State is on bye this week, so I gave the the squad the week off. I made a call to the bullpen to bring in the the big banter CEO himself, Brant Henson. Uh, good to see you, Brant. Yeah, good to see you too, Alec. Thanks for having me on. This is my booze bets and ball debut, so I'm super yeah. happy to be here. Yeah, I thought it was a a good week to bring him on while we had not too much to talk about. Uh, I know Nate's been traveling and. Uh, Justin was working on some school stuff, so timing worked out. Uh, so really excited to get into this. I wanted to start by having an outsider perspective on Drew Aller because it's been, I guess, mixed reviews so far from the Penn State fan base. Uh, he came out against Northwestern, looked like you know Justin Herbert, something along those lines, a guy who's just going to sling it all over the place, and then. The kind of weeks after that, some struggles, uh, low in, low completion percentages against Illinois, and then this past week against Northwestern, he was forty eight percent against Illinois, and then I think around fifty five ish uh, this week. So not not crazy numbers. The the yards per attempt is also pretty low. I know that that's kind of been the big thing that Penn State has not gone downfield that much. That was kind of the one thing a lot of Penn State fans expected coming into the season was that Sean Clifford struggled to throw the ball downfield and that Aller would kind of be the opposite of that. So what have you seen so far from the uh, the sophomore? Yeah, so I'm bringing an outside perspective here. I'm an Ohio mm -hmm. State fan, but I, I've watched a lot of Penn State this year. I've watched bits and pieces of every game. Um, and Aller, going into the season, he was really the one – the biggest question mark to me on this Penn State roster, I felt like it was a pretty sound team um, on the offensive line, the runner, run, running backs, uh, some solid receivers, and then every level of the defense just has at least one or two studs. So I thought this was a really complete roster, and Drew Aller was kind of the question mark. Um, I didn't think that he needed to even be great for this team to have a lot of success. And so far, he's kind of met my expectations. I, I know a lot of people were pretty high on him going into the season, and thought he would just kind of go out there and sling it and just be a sud. But the reality is this is a guy who's now only made uh, four, five career starts. Five, yeah. Yeah, five career starts. So he's still very, very young. He was a true freshman last year. Um, and, yeah, he has looked a little more on the timid side and has kind of not really slung it down the field like he did in that first game. Yeah, so uh, I got a tweet here. Lowest average depth of throw of power five quarterbacks. Aller is first at 6.3, followed very closely by Bo Nix at 6.4. That Those were not going into the season. Those were not the two guys I expected to kind of be at the top of that list. But, you know, you brought up 
Aller kind of uh, maybe on the timid side. I, I think part of that comes from he, he saw Sean Clifford make some wild throws last year. And I, I, I he saw, or I guess heard is a better way to put it, kind of the, the crowd cheer for Aller every time Clifford made a bad throw or an interception. And I'm wondering if that's playing with his psyche. Like, I don't want that to happen to me. Like, I don't, I don't want them to hate me kind of the way they hated him. And I, I don't know if that's it, but it kind of seems like he's trying too much to not do anything bad because he's worried about the consequences. Obviously, when you turn the ball over, it, it's not a good thing, but he might be overthinking it a little bit. You know, yeah, I, I do think it's a little bit of that, especially just a guy who's only made a, a handful of career stars. Yeah, um, it, it takes a lot to kind of gain that confidence to be able to throw down the ball or throw the ball down the field. And he's he's shown he's capable of doing it, but he just hasn't really taken that step in the most recent weeks and in those Big Ten matchups, especially. Yeah, I, I kind of look at it. uh The Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers thing. I, I don't think it was much of a coincidence that Brett Favre was notoriously one of the worst turnover quarterbacks of all time. And then Aaron Rodgers is like the number one in terms of touchdown interception ratio. I think it's seeing what the guy in front of you did and trying not to mimic that because you saw the the bad consequences that could come out of it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely a little a little bit of that conservatism. It'll be interesting to see, though, if he starts taking some shots on the field uh, in the coming weeks because – I know I was over on the Big Ten huddle uh, this past um, Sunday, and one of the big talking points was Drew Aller, and we were talking a lot about how how conservative he has been throughout the past few weeks. Um, however, he's going to have to make some some big throws in those those coming games against Ohio State and Michigan in order to keep the team in the game. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, that should he should he probably take some shots on the field before those games to kind of yeah. feel the situation out. I would say, yeah, but it's, it's interesting to see how conservative he's been so far. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we're going to move on here a little bit, talk about the Big Ten as a whole, which we don't get to do often throughout the weeks because we're busy uh, you know, going over the week's prior game, and then we bring on the uh, Big Banter crossover pod and just talk about the game. So we don't get a lot of time to talk about Big Ten as a whole, but we're at the somewhat halfway point, a little less than halfway here in the season. Uh some teams will be on their sixth game this season, uh, Michigan and Maryland being those two, actually, Rutgers two, actually. But w- what has surprised you in a good way and a bad way? Let's start with the East so far uh, with the Big Ten East. Yeah, starting in the East, I think going into the season, like before the whole Mel Tucker thing, I'd say just how bad mm-hmm. Michigan State has been. I know they didn't have a great year last year, but – um, they were expected to, you know, not be as bad as, as they have been. Then with the whole Mel Tucker thing, like you lose your leader, you kind of lose the locker room and it all goes downhill. So I guess that hasn't been as much of a surprise as it would have been maybe looking at these standings uh, preseason. Uh, I guess it's really hard to not choose Ruggers as your biggest surprise yeah. season in the East. Uh, sitting at four and one, they've had some pretty dominant wins. Uh, ran the non-conference slate, which was um, really interesting to see out of them. Um, so yeah, they they look like a honestly pretty competent football team. It'll be cool to see um, how they. I mean, they did they did have that loss to Michigan, yeah. But it it'll be cool to see how they stack up against maybe like a Maryland or Michigan State or IU. Can they finish fourth in the East? Right. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people would point to Maryland. Uh, to me, 
Maryland should have won those five games. I just think that that out of conference slate was not strong. And then they obviously played a reeling Michigan State team right on the heels of Mel Tucker officially being fired. And then they play Indiana, Indiana obviously struggling. So I, I think I'm really interested to see this Maryland Ohio State game because I I think it'll I think it'll tell me more about Maryland than Ohio State in a way. I, I it's gonna if that game's close, I think we start looking at Maryland being five and zero as real. I I don't think it means Ohio State's bad. I I you know or struggling. I wouldn't go as far as say bad, but not what we're accustomed to. I, I think it would say more about Maryland actually. Yeah, I mean you look at Maryland's schedule so far, and the toughest opponent they played is. Right there near the bottom of the Big Ten East, that two and three yeah. IU team is probably the toughest opponent they've had on their schedule so far. So it's tough to say that five and zero is real, like you mentioned, unless they can play OSU close. So being an Ohio State fan, that's one I'm really intrigued for this weekend coming up uh, in Columbus. I'm gonna need to hit up uh, Tequila Ty and see what his <laughs> drink of the week is. Yeah, uh, he. Uh, yeah, he, I'll ask him. We'll get we'll get one going with him. Uh, it's- Actually, no, he got one last week. I was gonna say I don't remember if we had one last week, but I think it was the the Bloody Mary mix he had last week. Yeah, um, yeah, because uh, you know Ohio State is obviously Penn State's next big game. They have UMass next week. They're on by this week, but it it goes Ohio State, Indiana, Maryland. So obviously, watching the Ohio State Maryland game is very going to be very telling for Penn State in terms of what they have ahead for them. All right, the West here, um, probably as funny as it gets. Uh, I realize oh, there's Northwestern. I thought they got cut off here. Uh, Northwestern being as high on on this list as they are is, I think, a, a pleasant surprise. Uh, we saw Illinois, too. I, I, I don't know what to make out of this. We saw Iowa. Penn State's already seen three Big Ten West teams. So uh, we, we've seen half this division already, but it is just another cluster. Yeah. Northwestern is definitely the one that stands out to me. I mm-hmm. didn't think there was even a chance they would uh, rattle off any Big Ten wins this year with the, kind of the state their program's in and what we saw from them last year and then losing their head coach uh, with all the all the offseason turmoil. So just for them to go rattle off that win against Minnesota in overtime was uh, definitely impressive. I'd say they're probably the most impressive um, surprise on this list. And as far as the most bad surprise, I mean – the, the division as a whole, um, I thought we'd maybe see a little bit better play out of the teams in this in the division this year, just with Luke Fickle bringing in a lot of new guys to Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, with Iowa having Cade McNamara, I thought maybe their offense would maybe just get a little more humming than it was last year. But so far, that has proven to not be true. Um, Minnesota, they're always an interesting team. Uh, you never know if they're going to have some big offensive plays, be good on the defense that they look kind of sound throughout the first few weeks on defense, so that's kind of crumbled a bit down the stretch. Um, then Purdue, they definitely lost a lot. Um, I mean, coming into the season, just massive turnover with the head coach, the quarterback, and losing their number one, number two, and I think yeah. number three receivers as well. Yeah. Um, definitely lost a lot. So they were a big question mark. Um, they they lost a lot of games early on, but you know that that one against Illinois last week was. Um, definitely a good momentum builder for them. And then, yeah, Illinois and Nebraska sitting at the bottom honestly surprises me a bit. I thought Nebraska would be a bit more competent under Matt Rule than they were under Scott Frost, but it looks like the same old Nebraska so far through five games. And Illinois was a team that 
I thought would kind of run the trenches on both sides of the ball and their offensive line has not lived up to what I thought it would be preseason. Yeah, Illinois, I think we, coming to that game, expected Luke Altmaier to, to give a little more and ended up with uh, four interceptions. So that that kind of shocked us because we, we were actually intrigued to see how Penn State was going to do against him because he had looked pretty good through the first couple games. So that, that was a shocker. Uh, between Luke Lachey and Kate McNamara's injuries, does – does Wisconsin have any excuse to not be the representative in the Big Ten title game for the West at this point? Not at all. I mean, they play Iowa at home, too. I think yeah. it's a night game in Madison. Like, just the environment and with how just awful Iowa's offense has looked this season. Uh, there's no way Wisconsin should be losing that game. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of head and shoulders above the rest of the division at this point. It'd be really shocking if they didn't come out on top. Yeah, for sure. There we go. All right. So I will say uh, we talked about that. We think Wisconsin is probably going to represent the West. If you had a guess out of these three teams, and I guess I'll put Maryland kind of in the mix for now. But we can take them out. Yeah, you're taking them out. All right. So we'll take them out. Uh, I wanted to be a little nice. I know the uh, the turtle guys on the uh, Slack like to get it going. So Yeah, they, they, they've got a little <laughs> bit of confidence in their team, but yeah. I'm the Buckeyes stick it to them this week. <laughs> I mean, I, it's for me, it's hard to gauge which of the three look like the favorite. They all looked a little shaky at the beginning of the season offensively. Obviously, uh, Ohio State goes into Notre Dame, gets that really gutsy win. Michigan dominates on the road against Nebraska. And Penn State, despite some of the offensive problems, the defense, the first-team defense has given up, I think, four touchdowns through five games. So, I like, all of them have things going for them and at the same time haven't in my opinion, none of them have hit their stride yet. I, I, I just don't know what you think in terms of a favorite, because I don't think anyone knows at this point. When Every time I look at it, it looks like each of the three has like a 30% chance to make the game. No, it, it, Yeah, that's exactly where I put it right now, too. Yeah. Just 33, 33, 33, right down the middle. I, yeah, the only team that's really had a test so far is Ohio State. They mm-hmm. went on the road and pulled out that big win against uh, Notre Dame, which was awesome. But ultimately, that one doesn't help in the long run in the Big right. Ten standings. The ones they're going to need to win are, I mean, this weekend against Maryland, if you want to count that. Mm-hmm. And then Penn State and Michigan, those are the two that really matter. Um, and then both of those teams really haven't had a test yet. So it's, re- it's really tough to say. Both of the te- All three of those teams look like probably top five, maybe top seven teams in the nation. Uh, it's definitely going to be a lot of fun because I know they all have like one home game, one road game against, um, against each other. Mm-hmm. So if they split those all one, one and or split them all one and one. That's going to be a really interesting scenario to see what happens, not only in, you know, the to see who re- represents the Big Ten East in the championship, but also with, with the playoffs. Yeah. The, yeah. The, play, the playoff thing uh, will be interesting. We're going to talk about the Pac 12 in a second here because they will play a role in that. Uh, Northwestern coming back to beat Minnesota last week was actually pretty big because both Ohio State and Michigan play Minnesota this year, and Penn State is the only one that plays Northwestern. So, uh, the whole win percentage tiebreaker thing, that was actually a pretty big outcome for Penn State there. Yeah, that is big time because Minnesota <laughs> just, you know, I kind of scratched them out of the Big Ten West um, mm-hmm. race just before the season even started solely because of that schedule. Yeah. So, yeah, that that win is just going to be huge in that tiebreaker mm-hmm. if, that, if that's a situation that ends up unfolding. Yeah, you know, the thing is Penn State and Michigan pretty much play two-game seasons this year. It comes down to, you know, playing – Ohio State and then each other, whereas, you know, Ohio State went to 
Notre Dame. They have to go to Wisconsin. They're pretty much in a four-game series. So uh, Ohio State has a little more, you know, of an uphill climb, a little more battle to go through. But that that could honestly play to their advantage, just being a little more tested than Penn State, especially Michigan, because Michigan plays pretty much nobody through nine weeks, and then it's Penn State round Ohio State in a row. Yeah, that's that's the thing that when you look at Michigan's schedule, like they're not going to be battle test battle tested whatsoever yeah. going into that Penn State game. So that's going to be really interesting to see how that team kind of kind of stacks up there. But yeah, going into the season with Ohio State having the schedule they have, uh, just had me really excited for Buckeye football um, mm-hmm. in a way that I haven't been in, in uh, previous seasons, just because there were so many question marks coming into the season with you know the quarterback um, being probably yeah. the biggest one. But also just the tough schedule going on the road to Notre Dame, on the road to Wisconsin, and on the road to Michigan. That's a really, really tough schedule. And to see what they've done so far with that win over Notre Dame, I'm, I'm definitely um, I'm very happy with that. I'm yeah. super excited to, to see what unfolds going forward. For sure. So as we just talked about, the Big Ten technically has three top ten teams right now. But if you want to stretch it out, they actually have six. Uh, the Pac-12 teams, USC, Oregon, Washington. USC's ranked nine. Oregon is ranked eighth. Washington's ranked seventh. The three of them, along with UCLA, who is three and one. Yeah, three and one. Yeah. yeah. They all. Yeah, they all come to the Big Ten next year. So, uh, what do we make out of this? Because all of a sudden, this conference looks like a serious juggernaut with. Obviously, those three all lose their quarterback after this year, and it's going to be UCLA, the only one of the four bringing their quarterback back in freshman five-star Dante Moore. So that, that that's really intriguing to me because all four of these teams probably ranked in the top 15 to 20 to enter next, next season. Yeah, I mean, just looking at it from the top level, it's going to be insane. I mean, it's just going to be a whole new landscape in college football in general, though, mm-hmm. with you know the SECs expanding with Oklahoma and Texas going down there. So that conference becomes a lot more challenging as well. Uh, I think the Big Ten probably clears just because um, of what we already have at bringing in these four teams that are all you know probably top twenty-five teams going into the season. I, I put UCLA in there too with uh, Dante Moore coming back, mm-hmm. pretty impressive, uh, and obviously it was a five-star recruit. Um, and Chip Kelly, um, that's a coach that has definitely been through a lot and is uh, very experienced in college football. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a really, really interesting landscape. But also, you got to look at it, um, whereas if you go 10-2, and two, you're probably still making the playoffs because uh, we're going to have that expansion next year going out to, to 12 teams making it. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. I know. I know, I know they have to redo the schedule again because yeah. we're getting USC. I know uh, USC was supposed to come to Penn State next year. I don't know if that's still the case, but I was looking forward to that. So yeah, it'll be a lot. Yeah. Speaking of that schedule thing, how does it feel to have no protected rivalries? At least as of right now, I know that might change with uh, the two newbies coming in. Yeah, I know. Uh, when I went on the Ohio pod, we talked about this, actually. Um, I was surprised Michigan State, actually, because of the land-grant trophy. Yeah, no, that, that was the one I kind of expected. But yeah, I know. and I, that Obviously, surprised me. I thought they'd maybe put Maryland or Rutgers on there just because of the regionality the thing. Goes, yeah. Um, Ohio State, I wasn't sure because I I knew that obviously Michigan was going to be one of them, and then they'd probably give them 
I don't think they wanted to give anyone too, you know, any of the big boys too really hard protected rivals. I yeah. I think they wanted to space that out, you know, keep the the good teams in a competitive spot. Unfortunately, you know, like a team like Indiana or someone might get screwed by that where they have to face two of the big schools. But I was surprised Michigan State, honestly, I there's not like a lot of background to that outside of the fact that they do play usually the last week of the season, which is considered rivalry week, and they have a trophy. So that that was the one that actually surprised me, even though like there's not it's not a hyped up rival or anything. It just kind of is one by default in a way. So th- that that was the one that actually surprised me. Yeah, I, th- I think that would have made sense too. Just also historically kind of looking at how the East has shaken out, like you two are kind of typically duking mm-hmm. it out for like that third or second spot. So I, I think it, I mean, it's a rivalry. It's got the trophy. So yeah, that that kind of did surprise me too to not to not have that one be protected. But you know, maybe, maybe they shake things up and that ends up being a thing uh, with uh, Oregon and Washington coming in. Yeah, I think eventually if it expanded to like Notre Dame joining, I think them and Notre Dame would would maybe be one. I know Michigan would also be in that conversation. Um, I because they used to play a lot when they were both independents, like back in the 70s and 80s. So I, I could see that maybe being one if Notre Dame was to join. Obviously, not sure if that's going to happen anytime soon, but yeah, no, Notre Dame's definitely just I, I can't see them joining a the conference, but you know, it gets to the point where like you kind of have to when the conference is yeah. this big, like, being independent isn't really going to do anything for you anymore, right? Yeah, especially the rumors of Clemson. Maybe coming to the Big Ten yeah. too. I saw. So, yeah, I, th- I think I, I don't know. What you think I think maybe not right away, but ten years from now, it might be two like twenty to thirty team conferences, and it's kind of like the NFL on steroids, where yeah. maybe you play playoffs through your own conference, and then the two winners would meet in like a Super Bowl type game. Like I, I, I kind of see that. I don't oh no, I don't want to make like a civil war reference, but it really looks like it would be lined up as like the north versus the south, the way the conferences are are, are shaping up. But I, I could see that eventually kind of being the outcome here. Yeah, you know the way it's trending, that's really what it seems like. Like the yeah. big ball is kind of losing all its firepower with Oklahoma and Texas going out and bringing in like a bunch of lesser teams like Cincinnati, BYU, all those guys coming yeah. over uh this year. So yeah, the Big Twelve is kind of lowering itself. And then the ACC, um, if all those rumors of like UNC and uh, Clemson, Florida State potentially bouncing for the Big Ten or SEC, uh, that kind of disbands uh, the football credibility of that conference as well. Yeah. And then the Pac-12 has already crumbled. So yeah, that's, that's really the way it's trending, and I wouldn't be surprised uh, to see it kind of shape out like that. Yeah, and I will say, I think eventually football is going to have to break off from the rest of the sports in terms of conference uh, affiliation, because it's just not sustainable for the other sports really to do what the football has to do. No, it's not like, just think about like a USC track team taking a, taking a trip to Rutgers all the way across the country on like a Tuesday night. Like what's the point, you know? Yeah. Especially because those sports, you know, don't really make money. They uh, kind of feed off of, football and basketball at some schools. So, you know, it, it, it's more of a hassle for the school because that is obviously a lot more expensive to charter from L.A. to New York than L.A. to Oregon. So, Oh, yeah. And also just looking at college football historically, we've kind of seen the layout of it shift over time. So, well, this may be the way it's trending right now. Um, we could always see it maybe 
maybe people aren't happy with it. Maybe it's affecting the other sports and it kind of starts to dissolve itself back into um, what it was with maybe some teams just going back to smaller conferences. So it, it'll be really interesting to see uh, how the sport starts to evolve um, starting with these mega conferences. Definitely. Well, Brent, I, I'm done. I, I got all my questions answered. Thank you. So let's tell everyone about Big Banter, what we're working with right now and what you have planned for the future. Yeah. So for those of you who are not following Big Banter on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, make sure you go ahead and do that real quick. We're just at Big Banter Sports on all of those platforms. But essentially what our goal is, is when you look at, you know, like a Barcel Sports uh, to be kind of the Big Ten version of that. So we've got um, a podcast representing each of the, the Big Ten teams right now, uh, one for football and one for basketball. We're working on kind of finalize, finalizing that basketball roster with the season right around the corner, but definitely keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, Penn State basketball pod coming soon, so be ready for that. And uh, we also have a website up, so lots of cool content going up there in the form of blog posts, and you can kind of just check out all our different uh, partner shows through that as well. That's at bigbannersports.com. Uh, go and check it out. All right. Well, thanks to Brant for coming on. Uh, if you're looking for the Penn State content, I guess we'll be back next week to talk about UMass of all teams, which uh, this late in the season is this is the latest in a season Penn State has played a non-conference game, actually, since they played UMass back in, I think that was 2013. So obviously UMass being an independent, you play them a little later sometimes. So a little change up for Penn State from a schedule standpoint, but I'll be back with the guys next week to uh, talk about that one. So we'll uh, see you then.